Good to be here this beautiful Sunday morning. We take pleasure in that greatly. We uh, started a new book last week. Uh, the Epistle of 1 John. And uh, what we go into today is the, the second part of this first chapter. And what we're going to be dealing with is the holiness of God and the sin of mankind. And then, of course, the solution to that sounds like the Gospel, doesn't it? So we have a Gospel message. And so we ask, what is the Gospel? And that seemingly should be very easy question uh, to answer, I would believe. But I believe there are probably many church people today, if they were asked that question, I'm not so sure if they could answer it, or at least correctly. Uh, The answer could be a, a simple good news. Because in the Greek, that's what that means. Good news. Uh, That's the simple answer. There's much more to it. We know in 1 Corinthians 15, one that's almost another simple answer, says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that would be considered the Gospel. Now, is is that good news? That's good news, isn't it? That's the Gospel. But another way of looking at it is over the whole realm of the time of mankind and even before it. From before the foundation of the world to the creation story to the fall to the redemption and the consummation. And that can be considered the Gospel story. That's the story, isn't it? Creation, fall. Redemption, we wait for the consummation. So that could be the Gospel. The whole of God's Word, all of it, can be considered the Gospel. I believe the easiest way to define the Gospel is this, a three-letter word. The Gospel is God. God is the Gospel. God is good news. He is all of this wrapped up into one. So we see the Gospel very clearly in uh, this section that we're dealing with today, starting at verse 5 through 7. And it starts with God. That's too simple, isn't it? Uh, Anytime that you ask a little child a question, they usually will answer it, Jesus or God, right? But you know, uh, that's the answer. That's where everything has to start. That's where the whole Bible starts. And it's also about His holiness. And uh, that is where John is going to bring forth the very holiness of God here that shows that man is in sin. When you turn the full light on, now the sin is seen from man. But the remedy of sin also, which is, the you know, there's a problem that man has, But the remedy is also described here in the blood of Christ and that it cleanses men from their sin. So, John put it in three verses here real quickly. Uh, The epistle epistle of 1 John is all about certainty. Remember we talked about that? That was one aspect uh, that John puts forth that you can know. And we looked at those. One thing about you have eternal life. You can know that. Uh, The apostle just clears the air here and he makes no debate whatsoever about the Gospel. If there's some debate, he clears it right here, right off the bat, as we see it in uh, the very first chapter. And uh, that's important, isn't it? it? It's such a black and white approach. So clear, concise. There is no room for anyone to wiggle here. And you remember that First uh, John is written because there are false teachings in the church already before the end of the first century. Very early in the early days of the church, there's already false teaching about the the Judaism and such. And then the rest of the world brings in its philosophies and empty deceptions. So John is writing to protect his Christian readers from an early form of Gnosticism. And he's already kind of jumped into that right off the bat in the first verse. And here he talks about this message, this message of Jesus Christ, who God is, and that you are a sinner. And uh, there is the answer to that. So the message that he delivers is from God. That's what John is saying. It's absolute. 
there are no ifs, ands, buts. That's the way it is. It comes from God. And so the message is according to Jesus Christ. The Gospel is according to Jesus Christ. There's a book by John MacArthur called The Gospel According to Jesus Christ. And that was one of the most impacting books in my life ever when that was written back in the 80s and it showed that Jesus Christ is, is what it's all about. He is Lord. We have no option to call Him anything else. And if He's Lord, then we are to arrange our lives accordingly. Anyway, this, this message is about Christ. It's about how sinful men can have fellowship with a holy God. If people are convinced that they are sinners and that they have affronted His holiness, then there is a way shown and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So uh, take uh, your Bibles, open them up to 1 John, and we're going to proceed at verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. What a text. God has given us here. The God that we know always shows who He is. He didn't have to do it that way, but He has revealed Himself. The Gospel always starts with God. The problem is is that man thinks that the Gospel starts with man and he needs to have his needs, his felt needs met. And so the Gospel today starts with man such as, I chose God. I'm a Christian because I got baptized. I'm a Christian because I believed. Those things aren't wrong. But the problem is is that they're starting with themselves. Look at my circumstances. Look at my problems. Look at me. Look what I did. Look what I've done. Do you see the I, I, I? And the Gospel never starts with me, I. It starts with God. It always starts with God. Genesis started with in the beginning God, right? You go to first or, or the book of John, for instance, who wrote first John, he writes what? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Right? So that's um, a couple of passages right here in first John one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. There he's speaking about Christ. He speaks about the Father there. So, uh, I think it's very important to see that the preaching of the message of the Gospel is about God. The Godhead. The Gospel starts with God. So here we go. Verse 5. This is the message. And the word is angelos, or uh, related to that. Angelia here in the Greek. Angelia. Or it kind of reminds you of angel, doesn't it? Do we have that Greek word up there? Did I put it? I probably didn't get it. Okay, sorry about that. But if you spell angel out and then put I-A, you've got the word angelia. And what is an angelia? It's an angel or an angel means messenger. And in this case here, we're not speaking about the angels that, that fly around in the spirit world, but we're talking about the very message that is delivered. The, the, the source of the message is Jesus Christ. The essence of God is light. That's the very essence of God. He is light. How do you define God? He is light. It's a link between verse 4 and 5. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Your joy is full because of the message which you heard. So we go right into that. After stating that we have fellowship that he stated in verse 3, we have fellowship with one another, we have fellowship with God. And now after stating that we have fellowship, he now states the conditions under which the fellowship of God is possible. A lot of people profess to be Christians, don't they? 
I am telling you there are more than a billion people in the world who profess to be Christians. They go to all sorts of different denominations, non-denominational, uh, interdenominational, and whatever, and all across the board. And would you believe that all those people that go to churches usually will say, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I got baptized even, right? Would you believe that all of those are Christians though? Nobody in here would say, yeah, everybody that professes to be a Christian, they're Christian. They go to church. We know better. If you really start looking at it and then seeing what the Gospel is in Scripture, it really starts cutting the numbers down. Because that's taking in the Roman Catholic Church, which has some of the same terms that we use, but most of them are not trusting in the completed work of Jesus Christ. They have to add on to that. Now we have a works-based salvation, not on the grace of God, and so it's based upon their works and how good they are and what they've done, and uh, they can be the sweetest people in the world, could be Christians. I'm not calling every Catholic a, um, a non-Christian, but as a whole, if they're trusting in the church to get them there, they're going uh, to the wrong place in the wrong area. Now that, that takes in a big percentage right there uh, all across the world. And then you can see other ones, uh, the liberal churches who don't believe in Scripture. Most of the people in there that are following that don't believe in the Word of God. They don't believe that Jesus is the only way and all of a sudden we can cut it down even more. And so Jesus said, few there be that find it. I'm not talking there's only about 10 or 20 people going in. There's going to be a lot by the time it's all said and done. But with all the people in the world, how many people are there in the world? Six billion? There's like only a billion that profess to be Christians. We'll say all of them are. That's still one one sixth that are Christians are, that are that are going to heaven. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians. I understand. I've talked to people uh, at the store lately where their their children who have now even grown up twenties, thirties, forties, fifty years old, even who actually believe that you can be a Christian and um, say that all the other religions are right too. I'm getting that more and more. Everybody's finding their own way. I just happen to be doing the Christian thing, and uh, I believe that to be true. But the, uh, Buddha is is good too. Now these are coming from so-called Christians who grew up in the church. Man, that is sad. And I'm getting telephone calls from people. What do we say? What do we do? And it's been a great opportunity. Just in the last few weeks, that has happened on more than just a, a couple occasions. So interesting. Um. The message we have is Jesus Christ. And uh, it starts with this holy God, not some kind of definition that they have. Westminster Confession has a definition of it. There's a fourth question. You think of the catechism and such. It says, what is God? And uh, the confession says, what is, what is He? What is God? I think that's a question of the ages, isn't it? What is God? Everybody has a different definition of what God is. God is is me. I just need to find out who I am and uh, find out that, that I am God, right? Or uh, whatever you want to God. But scripturally, uh, the Westminster Confession is based upon Scripture and it says this, and I think it's a good definition. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, Holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Those are big words, aren't they? We've all said this confession before, quite a few times. But saying, this is what we say that God is. He's infinite. He's eternal. He's unchangeable. He, he, in His being, He's wisdom. He is power. He is holiness. He is justice. He is goodness. He is the truth. And there's only one truth that comes from God. This helps us to know about God what we need to know about Him. Well, we know in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, it says God is what? Light. Light. Let's look at uh, just a few Scriptures. Turn back to the Psalms. Psalm writer has much to say about God and God being light. In Psalm 27, 1, we get this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light. He is light. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. I think there's a song of that, isn't there? Well, of course there is. It's in the Psalms right here, but I think somewhere we probably have sang that. But the Lord is my light. He is my salvation. Turn over to Psalm 36 and verse 9, and we get a little bit more about light. 
For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Because of the light of God, we're able to see light, not only physically, but then to be able to see Him as He sheds it on us. Turn over to Psalm 104, verse 1 and 2. Again, light. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, You are very great. This is praise, isn't it? Did you know God takes pleasure in us reading this? You are clothed with honor and majesty who cover yourself with what? Light. As with a garment. It's just like He clothes Himself with light. He doesn't put clothes on. He is the very essence of light who makes the clouds His chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind. He is light. That's what He is about. Turn to Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. Just a little bit past the Psalms, now going towards the New Testament. And we get a little bit more. There are many passages. We're just using a few. Lack of time. 49.6 says, Indeed, He says, It is too small a thing that you should be My servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be My salvation to the ends of the earth. That is the Messiah. God is speaking to the Messiah, the servant. He's going to be a light to the Gentiles. He was a light to us. He came in the darkness. The world did not recognize Him. The light was here shedding what God was. Go to the New Testament and go to John 1.4. They just keep mounting up and agreeing with each other, don't they, these passages. Uh, John 1, 4, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, we see the two words here that start with an L. L-I, matter of fact. Life and light. Now, John uses these words continually. For life, it is the word zoe, which we get, uh, we think of zoo. You know, that's life there. Uh, for light, it is phos. Or photo, right? Light. So we get English words from those Greek words. In Him was life, and the phos, or life, was the light of men. Okay, life, life, and then and that is the light of men. That's how we're able to come to Him. The light is shown upon us. Chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. What's going on out in the world today that's so evil and so wicked? And of course the demonic world is an impressing upon all the leaders of the world. And uh, whether it be local, state, federal... We can see a lot of the corruption. There are Christians in there trying to shine some light, and it's really tough, but at the same time, most of it is darkness now. What is going on? There's rumblings and there's shakings out there, right? Well, men love that kind of stuff. They like to be in the darkness. They don't want the light. They don't want to be exposed for their sin. That's why they don't want to realize, or actually, they know there's a God. They don't want to admit it because if they do, then they're accountable because this God created. So that's why they want to take creation. If they do believe in God, then they want to say that He didn't create or He got a lot of help. It took all those years, right? See that happening in the church. We go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 as Paul writes this to the young pastor. And we see in verse 15 and 16... Speaking of Christ, which He will manifest in His own time, He who is the blessed and only potentate, He's the only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? There's the King. Who alone has, look at this, immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light. Unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Man, that is great praise, isn't it? This should get our minds up on a level that is high above any other kind of man thinking. What we want to do is improve our 
view of God. Our motto here at Grace Community Church is to have a high view of God and a high view of Scripture. When we have that, then things fall into place. Um, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4-6. through 6. Again, dealing with light. 2 Corinthians 4, speaking about the minds of this world, they have been blinded. They're blinded. Verse 4, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the Gospel, of the glory of Christ... So the Gospel is light, isn't it? And it shows the glory of Christ. They're blinded. They can't see the light who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants, slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God, look at this, who commanded light to shine out of darkness in creation, who has shown in our hearts the recreation of us, who shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God. That's what we want to see, isn't it? So whenever you have been opened up, whenever He opened up your eyes spiritually, you saw Him really for the first time. You saw who He really was. You might have thought you knew who God was. You said you believed in God, but whenever He turned the light on, all of a sudden, you could now see Him for who He really is. And not some figment of our imagination. See, we all like a God that's comfortable. And I want to tell you, as you walk in your Christian life, this is deep, as you walk, you're going to see more of that light of the glory of God. When you see that, sometimes it hurts because the light becomes ever more present than ever before. When you walk out side and from a dark room into uh, just an absolute beautiful sunshiny day, the first thing that you do is, oh wow, that's bright out here, right? Well, the same thing happens to us as He trims on us. As we know more who He is, then there are things in our lives we say, ooh, that's sin. I don't want that. We saw it because the light exposed it. It became brighter. And the more you're in a brighter room, the more you can see dirt, can't you? The more bright it is. And that's a good thing though. Don't you want it trimmed off of you? That's what this is all about so we can see His glory. Jesus is light. Jesus is light. We're going to see Him more and more. It's a great thing to see His glory. Don't you want to see His glory more and more? There's a cost to pay. You sure you want to do that? Yes, because He's going to make you. (laughs) It's a good thing. It's about His glory. All those who follow Christ are children of light. We are children of light. Because Jesus is the light. And then He says, you are the light of the world. He's the light of the world, but we're also the light here too. We're reflecting His light. We're not the lamps. We're just... We're not the light bulb, right? We're just, just shedding that light... He's true, He's pure, He's self-revealing, and He's also said where there are no shadows. No shadows in Jesus. Everything is all out there. People today have their different views of who God is. This fifth verse in our first John says, God is light. There's no darkness in Him. I think that's a better way to define God, isn't it? He is light. There is no darkness whatsoever. Not at all. Not just a little pinch of it. Absolute, pure, light, spirit. We see in the book of 1 John, we'll see that it says God is light. We see that. Later on, we'll see that God is spirit. And then we'll later see that God is love. Now, James Boyce says in this, In this epistle, we have the broadest and most comprehensive definition of God that can probably be devised in human language. Light, spirit, love. But let's don't miss the point. God reveals Himself initially 
through the message that He gives to all mankind. And with this goal of fellowship, that's what we have in mind. That's, that's what we're heading for, right? Fellowship with Him, fellowship with all. If you're Christian, that's already happened, but it continues even more. How does He first come to mankind? And foremost, does He come as God of love? Well, that's what people want because now God is a God of love. All-encompassing. You know what I mean? It's this kind of love. God overlooks sin. He winks at it. That's no big deal. God is love. I can do anything I want because God loves me. He doesn't come that way at first. In Him is no darkness. We know He's spirit, but we are in the flesh and we can't understand spiritual things. So how does God come? He comes as light. He comes as a holy God. Does He reveal Himself to man through the truth of the Word of God? Right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. So He shows Himself as light. We read that in 2 Corinthians 4.4. Mankind is blinded until He brings the light of the Gospel of the glory of Christ. All of a sudden it turns on. The bright light is there. So, in Him. No darkness at all. Matter of fact, when it says it here in 1 John, it's a double negative, emphatic. There is absolutely no way, no negative darkness. Do you get it? Nothing there. So when people say, well, what kind of a God would do that? Doesn't sound like He's a very good God. Well, right here in 1 John, He says there is no darkness at all. Nothing. So it's not him that has a problem. <laughs> it's me. I don't understand him. That's why we need to understand him more. And then we can say, oh, I, I can kind of get an idea of what he's doing here. Knowing his nature. As you know his nature. Hey, by the way, that, uh, that knowing God. Does some of this stuff sound kind of familiar already? Yeah, Janice is shaking her head, yes. Uh, the more we know God, the more we become conformed to him. Now, um, when you think of light, that, that's one of the things that we've been thinking of. You think of glory, don't you? Jesus, Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John on that mountain. Jesus says, I want you to take a look at this. Just like He took off His flesh, and all of a sudden, the very essence of God was shining. The clothes weren't there. It was light. Transfigured. The Mount of Transfiguration. He was transfigured. They got a glimpse of this light of the glory of God. Can you see why Peter didn't want to go down anymore? (laughs) Didn't want to go down the mountain. He just saw this glory. It's the radiance of God that was in Christ at that time. It's a blinding majesty. So that's one thing that we think of when we think of light. It's blinding. It's the majesty of it all. Then we think of truth. Whenever light comes to somebody, the truth has come to them. Um, The light shines on the subject like it hadn't before. Boom. It makes sense. Have you guys ever experienced that? You didn't understand something before and all of a sudden the light was shining upon it. You go, oh man, I get it. I get it. There it is. So it's dealing with the intellectual aspect. Light represents truth. It represents precepts. It represents wisdom. It represents counsel. So, light, glory. Light, truth. What's another thing about life? Well, light. John keeps saying light and life. It's almost like equals. Life equals light. Light equals life. John 1. All the way back to John 1 again. The very Gospel of John. We're on the aspect of God here, aren't we? The subject of God and His holiness. I haven't got out of verse 5 yet. Well, I'm glad I only picked three verses today because I was thinking about finishing the chapter. But I didn't think that would happen. Okay, John 1, verse 4. We started this while ago. In Him was life, and the light was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So when Christ came, He shone Himself in the darkness and overall the darkness, the dark world, the sinful world didn't come in. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. 
The man came from uh, for a witness to bear witness of the light. Who is who? Jesus. That all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So John the Baptist is not the light, but Jesus is the light. John the Baptist came to bear witness. That was the true light, this is Christ, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You say, well, my will chose God. This verse right here is one I'll always use to show people, no, 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 no. It's not your free will that came to God. You weren't born because of your flesh and blood or because of your will. It's flesh. You were born and will of man, but you were born of God. In John 3, that is given to um, Nicodemus by Jesus Himself. And the wind blows where it wants to go. And it shows that you have to be born of God or born again. Born again means born from above. Born of God. That's how we're born. He wakes us up and then we say, I believe Him. Because He gave us that wisdom to be able to understand. We were blind, remember? Even worse, Ephesians says we're dead. We can't respond. So here we are speaking Reformed theology right here in 1 John. Can you believe that? Alright. In John 3.3. 3, John 3.3. 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Keep going. Verse 5. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Look in verse 19. We read this earlier. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God, not of ourselves. Light is the eternal life of God. That's what John 3 is saying in John 1. Light is life. Light is the eternal life of God. God is the source of all life, including eternal life. John 8.12 I am the light of the world. Remember that statement? He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the what? Light of life. So light and life. John just keeps beating that in throughout his writings. John 12, verse 46. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. He said, there it is, the whoever believes. That's right. We never disagree with that. But how can they come unless they're drawn? And John 6 will tell us that. No one can come to the Father unless they are drawn to Him, to the Son. And then they believe. So all who are drawn to Him believe. And whoever believes, you will never abide in darkness again. That means you once were in darkness. How can you see? You can grope around all you want, but you'll never find God. He's not far from you, but if you're in darkness, you can't ever see. You're blind unless God does something. And the great illustration is of Saul who turned into Paul that day that he was blinded by the light and he fell off his horse. He was going the exact right way, he thought. He thought if anybody was righteous, it was in himself. And God showed him that he was condemned 
And he needed the light of God and God did the work on him. There we go. So we have glory, we have truth, we have light and life and it also means holiness. Light means holiness. It means purity. He's transcendent and He is pure. No darkness. Habakkuk 1.13 says He cannot look upon sin. Now He knows sin is happening. But we're not saying, you know, He cannot dwell on it. He cannot be in it. He knows sin is happening. He knows full well. But in, in the other sense, that He does not dwell in that whatsoever. There is no darkness there. So the message that John has, the message the apostles had, and then the early church fathers, and on and on through for 2,000 years, they preached the message of the holiness of God. That's our message. That's where it starts. The holiness of God. Where do you start with somebody who doesn't believe in God? Well, there are different different ways to approach it, but you have to finally get to the point that God is holy. And you are not. (laughs) Right? So... Um, I've got on the outline uh, the negative. We had the positive. We've spent all of our time on the positive this morning and I'm going to have to call it quits here in a few minutes. But I want to tell you, there is a negative. God is not darkness. If A is true, then B is false. But the thing is, in a lot of other religions like yin and yang, right? It can be both. God is good. God is bad. You know, all these things happening. Oh, that's just the uh, that's just the luck of the draw. That's just the way it is. You know, God is everything. You know, uh, no, no, no. He cannot be. He, you cannot mix evil with holiness. Uh, not everything meets in one here. So John says we we must see him as being holy. And if we're going to have fellowship with this holy God, we have to recognize that He is, we're not, we have a problem, what's going to happen? So that gets us into 1 John uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6 now. The message heard from Him, declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, a lot of people say, hey, I know God. I believe in God. And they walk in darkness. We lie. We don't practice the truth. They're lying. There's going to be a lot of people who say they are. Because of God's holiness, man is separated from God. So what you do is you really want to get them, get them to point one, and that is God is holy. He is so majestic and transcendent, so pure. He is light. We're not... And that's the idea. Man lacks fellowship. There is a brokenness there with the holy God of heaven. We can't say that we can enter into to heaven without some kind of work that He's done. Fellowship is the whole aim here, isn't it? It was introduced in a previous verse. Oh, that we could get a vision of the Almighty like that. To be able to see that He is absolutely holy. Uh, his law shows that. Love the Lord your God with, with all yourself. And we know we can't even do that. We don't have any other gods before Him. No images or anything like that, right? He has holiness. He has purity. Genesis 3 tells us that man is out of fellowship with God. Right in the beginning, we see God's creation. Man is innocent and then the sin happens and there is where everything broke loose. And it doesn't come back into place until we become Christians. We don't even have a free will to choose God like Adam did because of the fall. That's the problem. The fall happened. We're not back in the same sense that Adam and Eve are. If we are, then we go back into the garden like they were and we get a chance like they did. They did have free will in that sense of choosing God. But once the fall happened, then you're dead. You're in darkness. You're blind. You cannot understand the things of God. You do not. You love darkness. Something has to be done. And so we see that man is out of fellowship with God. He's cut off by original sin. The sin that's passed on from Adam and Eve. And so we uh, practically today, uh, Isaiah 59 tells us our sins and our iniquities separate us uh, and our God. Our sins have hid His face from us like a cloud coming between the earth and the sun. You have bright sunshine, but you know what happens when the clouds happen? You can say, oh, the sun is not out today. Oh, yeah, it's out, isn't it? We say that in our English vernacular. Oh, it's out as, like it is every other day. 
It's always there, isn't it? Only problem is we can't see it. There's been a cloud that's come in there. It's blocking the light. The light is not getting in. And that's what we need to impress upon lost sinners' hearts. They think they're okay. Hey, I'm okay. Uh, and what's their standard? Their neighbor. Because they've done better than that guy over there. One of the thing is they're in the same boat that everybody else is, aren't they? Why can't you just come in there right away and tell them that God loves them? That's what a lot of people do. Hey, we can get people saved and say, God loves you. Do you like that? Well, say this prayer with me. And you say an instant prayer and say, you're a believer. Who are we to even say that? That's a cheap gospel, a cheap salvation. You hand them a tract, say a little prayer and say, God loves you. We have to speak of God's holiness. And then we have to speak of their sin and how they have personally broken God's laws. They've broken them all. You cheapen the love of God when you come in there and say, you can be saved. God loves you. Do you want that? Okay, you're a Christian. That is how you can get 200 people in one night to get saved. Or you can briefly say, you're a sinner and you need to be saved. Uh, oh, okay. And that's it. Nothing ever happens to them. They sit in the pews for years and then finally they go away. And then by the time they're 30, 40, 50 years old, guess what? They don't even believe in God anymore. They're atheists. Yeah, I grew up in church. I know all that junk. I went to Sunday school. I don't believe it. I don't believe anything in there. There's just certain things that might be true, but I don't believe the Bible. Man, that is the message of the day. Isn't that sad? They can't understand the greatness of God's love because they don't understand God's holiness. Preachers have not been preaching the awesome majesty and holiness and the magnitude of our personal iniquity. They don't understand how bad sin is. A message that ignores the holiness of God is not a message from God. Fails to preach against sin fails to preach against God's judgment. Oh, if we say that, then we'll lose people and they won't come. Yeah, that's right. That might be what it is. But that's not the message that Christ preached. Christ preached about the very holiness of God. He preached the law. The law is still here. only thing is we cannot follow it. We must rely on His grace. God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. Well, guess what? In this verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, walk in darkness, we lie, do not practice truth. There's a false claim of righteousness. This is where we start our first test. You remember in 1 John, there are a series of tests. There's like three tests. And all the way through there, we're going to be using all three tests. Now, this test is dealing with sin. And what they're saying, hey, I'm a believer. I have fellowship with God. He's my Father. <laughs> and yet, they don't live it. Well, unregenerated hide their sin. They say, I don't sin. You know, They, they walk in the darkness and they're not practicing truth. Uh, people today don't like to talk about sin. They'll use the word sick. They're emotionally sick. Emotionally unhealthy. They're mentally sick. They've got this problem. They've got that problem. they got this. Victims of addiction. Right? We hear that. Oh, they're addicts. It's because of where they grew up. You know, look at their background. And Fellowship with God can't be known if we walk in the darkness. If we say... See, these people go around saying, making claims that they are. Um... Sin, they say, well, it's certainly not an issue with me. I, I don't sin. I haven't done anything bad. The starting point in understanding sin is what? The nature of God. His holiness. If you come to a true understanding of the nature of God, you will understand what sin is. You have to see the holiness of God. They, these people have said, hey, we're Christian. We have fellowship with God. But they didn't have any. They didn't walk the talk. They claimed to have fellowship with God. What they did, they separated religion or relationship with Christ. They separated that and ethics or behavior. Their lives were characterized by unrighteousness, and that's what trips people up. People go to church. Their neighbor says, I don't go to church because my neighbor over here, he goes to church every Sunday. I've seen him go all the time. And I know what kind of language he uses. I know what kind of uh, things he does around his house. I've seen some of the things. I've seen his outrage and such. There's no Why would I want to go to church whenever I see this guy over here living like the devil? 
You know what? Got a point. He's got a great point. Of course, the problem is he's looking at the neighbor rather than looking at who God is. But the thing is, we can make an effect on how we live and how we talk. And that's what John is really bringing this out. He says, if you practice sin, if you continually do this, and you're not, you're not walking the talk, you're not a Christian. That's just the way it is. Wow. You're devoid of reality. Psalm 51.6 talks about that. Forgiveness has been provided for believers. And they'll find forgiveness provided because of the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, there's a theological implication here. Fellowship with others outside the grounds of the Gospel. Um, what happens if they walk in darkness and they claim to have light from God, they're potentially opening themselves with a fellowship that's not based on the Gospel. It's a fellowship that they've made up in their own minds rather than the Word of Truth. They're following a false Christ. They're taking in the Greek philosophy of the day. What fellowship hath Christ with temple idols, right? As it says in Corinthians. So a lesson for us theologically, the only grounds for fellowship that we have, it's found here in 1 John 1.3, that may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. The reason we have fellowship and the reason we're considered to be in the fellowship and being Christians, being fellow Christians, is because we have somebody in common. It's our Father. It's the Son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit working in us. Um, these, these certain people were believing themselves to be above other Christians. They had some more light. They had almost a, the, the, there was a pre-Gnosticism. They had the knowledge. thing is, they were not worthy of the fellowship. Other people were starting to believe, well, they have all that and I don't. I'm less or maybe I'm not a Christian. They were living practically in a lifestyle of habitual sin claiming to be Christians. Um... That's called antinomianism against the law. They weren't living according to the truth of God. There was a guy by the name of uh, J.P. Mahepi from Trinity College in Dublin. He was a famous scholar, a man of the, the world, not a man of the word. He was asked if he was a Christian. He answered yes, but not offensively. Well, that sounds pretty good. Yes, but not offensively. That means yes, but... I'm not ever going to intrude on anybody. I don't want to offend them. The only thing is, God's Word is truth. And whether you mean to offend anybody or not, it will be offensive, will it not? When he is asked, that's, that's the way they answer. What he meant, he didn't let his Christianity interfere with his social life. He would never ever say anything about Jesus because Jesus would be too offensive and may I never say anything about that. I'm going to separate my Christian life from my social life over here. That's a problem, isn't it? You can't do that. You can't do that. They, you know what they were doing? They were claiming perfection. And we'll see that as we go on through John. And living a lie. I don't sin. I don't have sin. They'll even go to say. Look, if you're claiming... Uh, this and you're not real. You're actually denying that men are sinners. It's really what it comes down to. They're born sinners. They don't have the truth, do they? They're living a lie. Verse 7, uh, unfortunately, we don't have the time to do it, but yes, we have to go through it real quick. Because it's the answer we can't end without the solution. Verse 7, but if we walk... Remember in verse 6, you have the people that say, if we say... If I say I'm a Christian, then I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter how I live. But verse 7 says... If we walk, if we walk our talk, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses from all sin. Then you're a believer. Spurgeon said, to walk in the light is the willingness to know and be known. Matter of fact, I think that was a chapter in the study of J.I. Packer's book this week, wasn't it? Knowing and being known, right? To know what you are as a sinner... To know how you really are in the sight of God and be willing to be known as such and to humble yourself at the cross. It's to recognize without God, I am nothing. I am zero. I have nothing. We are admitting... You know what a confession is? Confess means to homologeo. To say the same thing. It's saying, I agree with you, God. I'm a sinner. I need you. Psalm 119.105 Thy word is a lamp 
right? It's light. I want to walk by that. Our fellowship is because of the blood of Christ. I'm wrapping this up real quick. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Behold! Look! The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Behold! Look! That's exciting because we've just seen the news about God being holy. He's real holy. This is what God says about Him. Not what I'm saying. Not what somebody else says. This is what God says. Here's my position and where I'm at. And if I'm not practicing that truth, then I'm in the darkness. And then He says, Christ cleanses us from all that sin if we trust in Him. Even the sins that we don't know about yet. There are many sins that we can even do and we don't even know they're sin. Have you known that? And then the more you are closer to Christ, the more that is. In His blood, the power of sin, though, is broken. The power of sin is broken. The power of it. Yes. Something to get excited about, isn't it? I'll tell you, that's what's available in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. To close this out, Martin Luther on one occasion dreamed that there was the accuser, Satan, and he had set before him on a great scroll afresh all of his sins and manifold iniquities. All of a sudden, it was just like all his sin was out there to see. This is what he was dreaming. Well, Luther didn't argue with the devil. He just admitted them all without denying any of them because he knew that that was true. He didn't seek to justify himself before the wicked one. But do you know what he scrolled across that list? 1 John 1, 7. And the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. So when the devil is really ripping into you, just say the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. It's His righteousness. It's not mine. You can do that all you want, but I can tell you what. Here, Satan, look, uh, he cleanses me from sin. Let's pray. Father God, You are holy and mighty. What an infinite, indescribable light You are. Incredible, nothing like You. Thank You for shining in our hearts. For we once were blind. And now we see. That is called amazing grace. The grace that allows us to see You. It was Your great work. And because of that, we said, yes, Lord, we believe. Thank You for regenerating me, blowing in the Spirit of God into my life, which now I desire to follow You and to walk the talk or my confession. Lord, help us continue to worship You all day long. Help us to understand that Gospel further so that now we can take it out into the highways and the byways, in the streets, with our neighbors, with the people at work, uh, people in our families who are lost, and to show them this little simple but profound message of the light of the Gospel of the glory of God. The good news, the Gospel. In Jesus' name, Amen.